Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we read also again a double portion Maharechmos with Kedoshim, Parasha Kedoshim. And in Parasha Kedoshim, we have in the Pasuk, it says, You shall be holy for, for holy am I. And to understand this Pasuk, this commandment that God is uh, putting on us, that he's asking us to be holy people because he himself is holy, I want to explain it through the eyes of the Alter Rebbe, uh, Rabbi Schneer Salman of Liadi, the author of the, of the Tanya. In his second chapter of the, of the book of Tanya, he explains that we have two souls. We have a godly soul and we have an animal soul. Our animal soul is instinctive, it's egocentric, it's animalistic, it's me, 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 me. And our godly soul, he says in the Tanya, it's mamesh, it's truly a part of God. So we have a part of Hashem really within ourselves. And this part of God, this soul, this godly neshama, is godly, it's holy. So it depends on which soul you're operating with, which one is in charge of you at that moment, you can be acting as a holy person or you can be acting like an animal. And that's the duality we have. But here in the, in the, in the Torah portion, when Hashem is asking us to be holy because He Himself is holy, He's not asking from us something that we cannot achieve. He's asking something that we do really have within ourselves. We do have the capacity to be holy people. And because of that, it is a mitzvah of the Torah for all the Jewish people that they should be holy. It's not asking some people, the rabbis, the tzadikim, the very righteous people, you should be holy, let the other people be however they are. No, it's telling us you all have to be holy because we all have holiness within ourselves. We just have to tap into it. So regardless of, of how we translate the word Kedusha, which means holiness, it clearly represents a state of being. It's not an adjective. It's not something that's describing a person. It's the way this person is. It's, him, it's the way he breathes. It's the way he thinks. It's the way he, he speaks and the way he acts. And that's what makes him a holy person. Many people say, but I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I don't do bad to anybody. And yes, maybe they're very, there are a lot of good people in the world. I, I really truly believe that most people in the world are good. They're kind and good. Um, but nevertheless, that doesn't make them holy. It's a whole different uh, connotation. And so, so once one has achieved of all of the virtuous qualities which define upstanding behavior, which makes a person such an incredible human being, then in a different uh, level comes the word kedusha, holiness. It's a whole different ballgame. So it's a mitzvah which is addressed to everyone. We all have it within ourselves. We can all achieve it. And we're not only meant to be good people, and, and kind people, and virtuous people, and intelligent people, but more, more than that, we are commanded to be holy people. So we must understand what this means, what really holiness means. And holiness means that we live our lives thinking about what Hashem wants from us. There's two ways to live your life. One way is what do I want, what do I think, what do I believe, me, 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 me. 
I do what makes me happy. And then there's a second way, which is what does God want from me? So when a person is living his life with Hashem in front of him all day, is this the dress? Is this dress what Hashem would want me to wear? Is this food the food that God would want me to eat? Is these words that I'm going to say are words that Hashem would like me to say? When a person is always having Hashem in, to, in front of him, when he is de- going through Hashem's way, Hashem, the ways of God, this person has attained holiness. Because he's not living his life uh, operating with his animal soul on what he thinks he believes he wants instinctively. He is really a thinking being that wants to be a person that's emulating God, that's living up to Hashem's will. And when you live up to Hashem's will and you do things because this is what Hashem wants from me, then you attain holiness. Thus, when one connects with Hashem, the closer he becomes to the source of Kedusha, he becomes holy. Having said this, he deduces we deduce that holiness is a state of spiritual or transcendent goodness in which one who has achieved the requisite levels of virtue and uprightness is now unrestricted by the limitations imposed by the physical dimension his goodness soars beyond the here and now and he's on a complete different plane Uh, Perhaps this is why so much of our religious activity is focused on transmitting uh, to the next generation. So, for example, a person that is walking down the street and he walks next to a restaurant that they're serving uh, baby back ribs with barbecue sauce, a holy person wouldn't say, yuck, uh, this is disgusting, you know? because it's not kosher. A holy person will say, it smells delicious. It smells delicious. My, my mouth is becoming watery from the, from the smell. But my, my, my Father in heaven forbids me to eat this. So I'm not going to eat it. And this is what Rashi explains. We don't have to negate what we shouldn't be doing. We shouldn't say this is horrible, this is horrendous. This. No, we just have to say this is not for me. This is not what Hashem is expecting from me. And this is the holy way to live. So he's on a completely different plane. Perhaps this is why so much of our religious activity really is focused on teaching our children uh, the laws of Kashrut and the Shabbat and the holidays and everything that we do in our, in, our, in, our, in our way of life to transmit them the holy way of living because really we live up to what Hashem expects from us we, we don't cook mi- mil- meat, milk with meat because in the Torah says you ca- it's forbidden to cook milk with meat and, and it's a hawk. It's one of those mitzvahs that really don't have a, an explanation. There's some things that we can deduce from it. But in reality, we do it because we transcend. We do it because this is what Hashem is expecting from us. And the more we transcend, the more holier we get. So we believe in perpetuation because our relationship is with Hashem, who is eternal. We do not think only in terms of the present, we're focused on the future. And because our religion is holy and holiness is forever. So when we are able to connect to the truth, to the met, to, to God, to Hashem's essence, we're really living an infinite life. We're not bounded by the finite um, makeup of this world. So the Jewish people have always understood that it's not enough to be just a good person. 
It's not enough for a Jew. And for Hashem, it's not enough. A Jew should not only be a good person. It's very nice to be a good person, but this is not the purpose. So holiness means unrestricted goodness, unlimited by the time and place and given to perpetuation. Thus parents have sacrificed to inculcate Jewish values and tradition into the minds of their of their kids, of their little children in their hearts and in their minds. For if there is no future, then there is no present. If you don't have something to transmit to your children or your grandchildren, then there's nothing to live for right now. What's the purpose? And so the following, there's a following story uh, quoted by Raf Moshe Toledano, which underscores this beautiful idea. And he tells a story that one night in the summer of 2011, there was a funeral that was taking place in Jerusalem of an elderly Jew who had been very, very sick for many years and he had to endure a lot of pain in his body. And uh, he had passed away. And uh, <clears throat> amongst the people that came to honor this person was Harav Yehiel Michel Stern Shlita, who was the Rav of the Shehumnos Ezra's Torah in Jerusalem, one of the yeshivas. And in his eulogy, he related the following story. He told that in 1924, uh, Rav Kovno, who was the great leader of European Jewry and the author of the celebrated Devar Abraham and Horab Abraham Duber Kahane Shapiro, was, visited, was visiting America. And uh, he was known as, um, as the Kovner Rav. And he was a, an, an incredible genius mind. He was one of the biggest rabbis of the time. And while he was in America, a couple came to visit him, asked to have a, a meeting with him, a, a yichus with him. They needed to have uh, some clarity in a certain problem that they were having together. And the husband came to this rab with his wife. She was pregnant. And he came to, to the rab and he said that he was very... Um, uh, a little bit angry that he was very not happy because his wife uh, fasted on Mondays and Thursdays. She had this custom uh, to fast on Mondays and Thursdays, which is something that was reserved for the very righteous people. And, uh, and while he was very impressed by the pity of his wife, he was very concerned that the fasting would really uh, make her health weak and also uh, have a problem with the baby, with the pregnancy. And the wife did not uh, deny his allegations. She, she said to the Rav that she indeed fasted these two days and that it was very difficult for her not to do it because she was doing it because she was very concerned that when, while living in America, 1924, there was not a lot of Jewish education and there was not a lot of Jewish life. Uh, the Jews in America were very assimilated and she was very worried for her son and she wanted to m make him a pious Jew. She wanted to imbue this baby that was still in her womb with holiness. And this is why she fasted on Tuesdays, uh, on Mondays and, two, and Thursdays. So the Kovner Rav was greatly impressed by this lady and her pity and her spiritual uh, innocence of, of this woman. He was really impressed by her. But he said, 
that granted your concerns are far more baseless, he said to the husband, yet a pregnant woman should not be fasting because really you need all the energy you need and all the nutrients go to your baby and you need to be well, well nourished to be healthy. And he said fasting could be uh, detrimental to, the, to your health and to the health of your baby. So sh you should stop uh, immediately this fasting. And, and he encouraged her to stop. But the woman was very stubborn. And she said to the rabbi, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to stop fasting. I really, for me, the most important thing is that my child should be born with a kedusha, with holiness, impregnated with the holiness of Torah and mitzvot. And to raise a child in America in these days, this is what I have to do. I have to do an extreme thing. And so the Kovner Rab listened to what she had to say and was greatly impressed by her devotion. Then he said to her that he would make a compromise with her, that if she would cease fasting, he would give this baby a blessing that he should be a very holy Jew. That he, he would... Uh, he would um, uh, <clears throat> He would grow up to be an observant, observant and committed Jew. And he gave them the bracha, the blessing. So this woman was a very, very um, religious, God-fearing woman. She understood that the blessing of such a great rabbi did have a very big uh, force. Because it says that whatever a tzaddik says, Hashem cannot go against it. Whatever he says, that's what's going to be. And so she acceded to not, uh, to not fast anymore and let, and, and, and because of the blessing of the, of the Kovner Rav. So Rav's turn concluded the eulogy with the following. 86 and one half years have passed since that fateful day with the Kovner Rav uh, that gave the blessing to that young couple. And before us lies the deceased is that baby that was born from this couple. And this man that was born from this couple, Rav Israel Shimon Stern, was a very holy man. This was a man that never stopped learning, never stopped doing mitzvot. His whole life was Derech Hashem in the path of God. And even though he suffered from excruciating pain at the end of his life for, for a few years, he never raised his voice to anybody. He never said anything ugly to anybody. He never complained. He always had a beautiful smile in his face. And he always had a word of Torah in his mouth also. So this was the product of America, said the, rev the rabbi that was giving the eulogy. So he says, I think his mother's concern and her anxiety regarding the future exemplified the meaning of holiness. It was not enough for her alone to be observant. Her son had to be observant too, for her present to have any meaning. So today, in today's age, we're right now home, stuck at home. I don't know how many weeks we've been stuck. I think five already or six, uh, quarantine. And we should really, really take this time to imbue in our kids these Jewish values and teach them what it means to be a Jew, what it means to live a holy life. Uh, my, my grandsons in Panama call me every night. They want stories from Sadiqim, so I have to look for all these stories and every night have a nice story to teach them. Kids learn by learning by stories, by example, 
and really the, 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 the child is so it's like a sponge whatever you put into him that's what he's gonna grow up to be so take the opportunity now and, and get a nice book about holy people people who have lived their lives selflessly and in, in a holy way teach them how the true way of life should be and um, and yes the material world is a beautiful world it's very enticing but by now we have realized that we don't miss it and, um, and that's what's not important in our lives. Our lives, what matters most is our family, it's our health, and it's our purpose and our mission in this world. So I want to leave you with a big braha. You should keep safe, you should be healthy and well, and remember, live a little higher. Thank you. 